Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? For today's video, I'm gonna continue doing the series that I started a couple days ago. And so the division I'm gonna be breaking down today, it's gonna be the AFC North. And this is probably gonna be the longest video so far, just because all four teams have a ton of fantasy relevant receivers. In the other two videos I've done, there's been at least one team in each division that I was basically avoiding the majority of their players but that's not gonna be the case for the AFC North. We have four teams just stacked with fantasy options, and so it's gonna be a solid video. If you guys are watching and enjoy the content, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. It really helps support the channel. And also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'll make sure to get back to you. So let's get into it. We gotta start off with the division winning Pittsburgh Steelers. And starting off at the QB position, Roethlisberger honestly put together a fairly solid 2020 season. He finished as the number 14 quarterback in points per game, but this year I'm honestly going to be expecting some pretty serious regression. A lot of his production came entirely from the volume in the passing game. Big Ben was third in most pass attempts on the year, and the Steelers averaged the second most pass plays per game in 2020. And even though he was getting all that volume, he was incredibly inefficient. He was number 36 in play action completion percentage, number 34 in red zone completion percentage, number 31 in deep ball completion percentage, and number 33 in clean pocket completion percentage. And he was only number 22 in catchable pass rate, despite being number 32 in yards per attempt. So despite throwing a ton of short passes, he was still in the bottom half of catchable pass rate. So that really just points to a lack of his effectiveness in the passing game. Even though he was forced to throw the ball a lot, it really was not efficient and he really wasn't playing well despite getting a lot of those touches. This year, I'm a big fan of Deontay Johnson. In 2020, he received 144 targets in 15 games, and that was also with him dealing with injuries throughout multiple games. So he would start a game, play a quarter, then get injured, and he'd miss the rest of the game. So those weren't 15 full games, and he was still able to have 144 targets, which is great for a fantasy wide receiver. He did struggle with drops last year. He was first in the NFL with 11 drops, so that's definitely not something you want to see. But I really think that Deontay Johnson can put it all together this year and finish as a really solid wide receiver two option. And I think with Big Ben struggling to push the ball down the field, Deontay Johnson is going to be an absolute target hog again this year. And really all he needs to do is catch the ball and stay on the field. Moving on to Chase Claypool, I talked about him in my second year wide receiver video, but he's a pretty tough guy to project just because his talent doesn't line up with the situation he's in. He's a big play deep threat, which just does not pair well with Big Ben late in his career. If this was prime Ben Roethlisberger, he'd be a perfect fit. But you know, Big Ben is not the same as he used to be. And he's not a guy that's gonna be able to feed Claypool deep. He's gonna be a red zone threat, but really the question is whether or not he can receive enough volume to be a solid low-end wide receiver two or a high-end wide receiver three. And I really think that's just up in the air on whether or not he's able to get that work that he really needs. The third wide receiver in this trio is Juju Smith-Schuster. And with Juju, I honestly think you know exactly what you're gonna be getting from him. He's basically shown that he kind of struggles to be that true alpha receiver. He was able to put up some solid numbers with AB as the number one, 
but once AB left, he really wasn't able to take over that alpha role like I think a lot of people were expecting. The Steelers aren't going to put him in positions to make huge plays. They showed that last year. That's not how they use him, but he is going to receive a solid number of targets and is going to be a strong option in the red zone. And so I think Deontay Johnson is the clear top option for fantasy in that wide receiver core. And then you're choosing between Juju and Claypool. I think Juju is the player with the higher floor and the lower ceiling, and Claypool's the guy with the higher ceiling, but he also has that lower floor. So it's really a preference, in my opinion, for Juju and Claypool. Moving on to the run game, I've talked about how I'm lower than Najee Harris than most people this year. I've talked about it in a couple of videos, and I really just think it's gonna be a battle between Najee's likely high volume and the Steelers' poor offensive line. So even though the Steelers have shown a willingness to use their RB1s as workhorses, their O-line hasn't been as bad as it is now. I got a comment a couple days ago kind of saying that the Steelers' offensive line wasn't as bad as I thought, and so I went in and did a deep dive, and I responded to their comment, and so I'm just kind of going to break down what I talked about. And so starting off with their tackle positions, you have Chukuma. Okafor, not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but he's at left tackle and he was rated the 10th worst offensive tackle per PFF. Then you have Zach Banner at right tackle who ranked in the bottom 32% of tackles and he's also coming off a torn ACL, which isn't ideal. You have DeCastro and Dotson as your guards who were great in pass blocking last year. They finished as the top five guards in terms of pass blocking, but they were both in the bottom 23 of 80 guards in run blocking. And run blocking is obviously what Najee Harris is going to need to be successful. And then right now, their center is currently projected to be third round pick Kendrick Green. So a guy who hasn't even taken an NFL snap yet. And so I really think this O-line is a pretty big problem. And this is the O-line when it's totally healthy. There are definitely going to be injuries to that offensive line throughout the year. And so it's really just not something I'm comfortable investing like a top 18 pick in, which is where Najee Harris is going right now. If you do want to draft Najee Harris, you're doing it because of that huge potential workload. And I understand that, but you can't deny that this offensive line is a big issue. There's really not much to talk about here at the tight end position. I expect Eric Ebron and their rookie Fryermuth to basically split the work, and I don't really think either of them are going to be playable this year for fantasy. So that's going to wrap up for the Steelers. Now we're on to the Baltimore Ravens, and you have to start off at quarterback. And in my opinion, going into 2021, Lamar Jackson has arguably the widest range of outcomes for any quarterback. And that just really goes back to his last two years. So in 2019, Lamar Jackson was an absolute beast for fantasy. He averaged 6.3 points per game more than the number two quarterback. So that is a huge, huge difference. That's even bigger than the positional advantage that Travis Kelsey has. I mean, 6.3 points. I mean, that is just such a wide margin. It's crazy impressive. But then in 2020, Lamar Jackson pretty much busted. I mean, he was going as the number one quarterback. He was being drafted in the third, sometimes even the second rounds in competitive leagues. And so for him finishing as the QB nine in points per game, I mean, that's just a huge bust from where he was being drafted. I currently have him ranked as my number four quarterback, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised at all if he finished as the quarterback one. He really just does have that potential with his running ability. And the Ravens also went out and drafted Rashad Bateman, 
who in my opinion is the best receiver Lamar Jackson has ever played with, which really just shows the lack of help he's been given at that wide receiver position if a rookie coming in is the best guy he's ever played with. And so I know that Lamar Jackson gets a lot of hate. You know, people call him a running back. They don't think he can pass, but I really don't think he's been given a true, true shot with some solid weapons. So I really think he can combine his rushing upside with an improved passing season and he could be in store for a huge year. When I'm looking at his weapons, you gotta start off with Rashad Bateman, who in my opinion is one of my favorite late round wide receiver targets. I think he has a great shot to be their top receiver, which is something you're not really gonna find that late in drafts where he's going. I'm not really a fan of any of those other receivers. I don't wanna be drafting Sammy Watkins or Marquise Brown. I feel like you kinda know what both those guys are, and they're just not guys that you're gonna wanna be starting in your fantasy lineup. So if we're going to move on to the running back position, Dobbins is a guy just like Lamar, who has a super wide range of expectations for 2021. He's currently my running back 19, just due to my concerns with his touchdown dependency and also lack of work in the receiving game. If you feel confident that J.K. Dobbins is going to go out and score close to a touchdown a game, then he should be an intriguing option for you. For me, it's just tough to buy in on a guy who's going to have limited receiving work and also going to be splitting carries between Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards. And so even though he's going to be heavily involved in the run game, there's just a little bit too much risk there for me to want to be buying him in the second round. At the tight end position, Mark Andrews is a guy who's likely going to be drafted anywhere from tight end four to tight end six. You have that first tier with Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. And then you have that second tier, which I think is Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and Kyle Pitts. So he's going to go somewhere in that second tier range. And he was pretty similar to Lamar Jackson in the sense that he had an elite 2019 season, but kind of disappointed in 2020. And I mean, it makes sense that his production is directly correlated to Lamar Jackson's. And I am expecting a bounce back year from him in 2021. And he's going to be a big piece of this passing offense, which I do expect to be improved for 2021. All right, moving on to the Cleveland Browns at quarterback. Baker isn't a guy I'm going to be looking at for fantasy. I just think the Browns are going to be way too run heavy for Baker Mayfield to be relevant. And I think really the only way he's going to be fantasy relevant is if he just goes on an unreal touchdown efficiency because he's just not going to get the chance to throw for close to 40 times a game because they're just going to be pounding that rock. And so he's going to be a guy who has to succeed by getting a lot of passing touchdowns. And that's just not something I want to buy into. And I think the same logic carries over to the Browns pass catchers. Even though I like OBJ and Jarvis Landry as players, I really just struggle to find a way for them to get enough volume to be wide receiver twos. We saw at the start of last year, OBJ was a guy who really had one huge game and the rest of the games were pretty mediocre and Jarvis Landry wasn't fantasy relevant when they were both on the field. And then even when Odell Beckham got hurt for the year, you would expect Jarvis Landry as the number one wide receiver to be a top fantasy option and he just really didn't live up to it. So I don't like either one of those players in terms of fantasy. And I also don't really like any of the value for the Browns tight ends. Similar to the wide receiver thing, I just think this is going to be a run-heavy offense, and I think there's just too many targets that aren't going to get enough work for me to want to buy into any of them. The running back room is really where the value is in this offense. I love Nick Chubb as a late first-round running back. I really think you know exactly what you're going to be getting from him. He's a guy, he's going to have 1,200-plus yards, 10-plus touchdowns if he stays healthy. 
Kevin Stefanski created this offense to be run first, which is why both Chubb and Hunt are solid fantasy plays. And for Kareem Hunt, I like him as an RB3 or even 4. He really has his own role in this offense. He's going to get a lot of carries as a change of pace back, and he also gets some work in the receiving game. He has solid touchdown production. And so even though he may not have the highest ceiling when Chubb is on the field, he's a pretty dependable weekly flex play, and he also has a ton of high-end RB2 value, even maybe low-end RB1, if Nick Chubb ever goes down with injury like he did in 2020. All right, we got to finish up with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I really think there's a lot to like with this Cincinnati offense this year. For Joe Burrow, the offensive line has been upgraded, which was much needed after watching Burrow just get absolutely destroyed back there in 2020. That was something they needed to do. You have to protect your franchise quarterback. And then the Bengals' weapons have also improved. Burrow is now being paired with his number one college target, Jamar Chase, who they picked fifth in the draft. And for me, Burrow's creeping up close to my top 12. He's not right there yet, but he's definitely moving up in my rankings. It looks like his ACL recovery is coming along nicely and he should be ready for week one. He's already out there getting work in at those Bengals practices, which you like to see. He talked about how he thinks it's important for his teammates to see him out there, even if he's not 100% yet. And so everything is really pointing to him being ready to play by week one. And when I'm looking at his weapons, I'm really starting to like T. Higgins this year. I think you're going to see people fading him because Jamar Chase is in that offense. But I truly think this offense could realistically support Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, especially because that defense is still pretty bad. And so this offense is probably going to have to pass the ball a ton, kind of like what you saw with the Dallas Cowboys last year in those games where Dak was healthy. The defense would just get them in a huge hole, and Dak would have to throw the ball a ton to get them out of it. I could really see the same thing happening here. I think Chase has a chance to come in and be that number one And I really think the chemistry he has with Burrow is really going to help him out a lot. I know I've talked about this a lot, but Jamar Chase was on that same LSU team with Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase was the alpha despite being a year younger, and you saw Justin Jefferson come into the NFL and just absolutely pop off. So I don't really see why Jamar Chase won't find success right away, and so he's definitely a guy I like as well in this offense. And then with Boyd, I just think he's still going to have that role in the slot. He may not have a super high weekly ceiling, but he's still going to get a decent amount of volume and is going to be a viable, you know, maybe wide receiver four or five this year. Moving to the running back position, I'm really high on Joe Mixon this year. I really think he has everything going for him. We already know he's going to get a ton of carries and targets. And I think that with Giovanni Bernard being cut, it only helps Mixon out. I think he's going to see even more targets than he did last year. He's going to be on the field basically all the time. And I just think these targets and carries are going to be even more efficient now. You have the offensive line upgrades. You have better weapons to take some pressure off the run game. And so I truly think this is going to be Joe Mixon's year. And if I can get him as my running back two in the middle of the second round, I love that value. The Bengals are another team in this division that I don't really like their tight end options. I mean, there just really hasn't been a guy who stood out. You have CJ Ozuma, who played decently well in the first couple weeks before having a season-ending injury. You have Thaddeus Moss there, but I truly don't think he's going to be a you know a full-time starter. I don't even think he got any playing time with the Washington football team. So I think he's just kind of there for some chemistry with Joe Burrow. But that's going to wrap it up for the AFC North Thank you guys for watching and listening. If you guys enjoyed the video, 
Make sure you leave a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And also, once again, make sure you guys let me know your thoughts down below. I'll make sure to get back to you. Thank you guys again. I'll see you guys tomorrow.